something we tried, something we were pursuing, something we experimented with, whatever. We have stuff that just doesn't go quite as planned. We all, we all have those circumstances. Um, and sometimes it's, it's funny. Sometimes it's comical. Sometimes it's pretty serious. Sometimes we get in places where we're like, how in the heck did I get here? This is not where I wanted to be. Um, it's interesting. I, 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 I mentioned this. A couple weekends ago, I did a, I did a triathlon sprint. where you, It's a short, fairly short swim. Or whatever. It's a swim. It's a ride. And it's a run. Okay. So this one was like an 800-meter swim, a 12-mile ride, and a 3-mile run. So as, as things go, it's smaller. Interestingly, at the same time, some folks were doing a longer version. They were doing one that actually had a mile swim and, and a longer bike ride and a longer run. And so those guys, they let them start first. Okay? And so it's like, it's cold out there. It's 48 degrees. It's cold out there. And so they get the folks that are doing the long, the Olympic standard one first and start because they're going to be swimming a lot longer. So they all jump in the water and they got their wetsuits on because it's cold. And they start swimming. So you're watching them get going. Okay, so and so the way the thing was, the course went, it went down, it was in Lake Gunnersville, it went down around a buoy and then back. And then you went down around the buoy again. The people who were doing the full mile went down around the buoy and back again. Folks like us doing the shorter one just went around the buoy and back and that was it. And so, um, and I swim like, I was so funny, I, I swim like algae. That's how slow I am. I mean, I'm just like painfully slow. So I was getting, you know, just laughed by whatever. But, but, but the first thing is the guys who are doing the long thing, they start first. And so you watch them start swimming. And the crazy thing happened, these guys are going, and it's just a bunch of bodies kicking and flailing and hitting each other. And, you know, it's just sort of interesting. And so they're swimming, and then all of a sudden you see this guy. So the lake's going this way, and the buoy's down there, and all of a sudden you see this guy going like this. And so all the guys that are waiting, waiting to get in next are watching, all the people on the shore are watching, and this guy's going this way. And the buoy's down here. And we're like going, when's he going to notice? When's he going to notice? And, and it literally goes on for like two, three, four minutes. And everybody on, 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 everybody on the shore is like going, no, no. Because this guy is trained, he's worked, he's put in all this effort, and he is swimming across the lake. And he's, he's not seeing, he's just going like this, he's breathing. And he's just going, and he's going the wrong stinking direction. And, he, and eventually, there's, there's actually a boat out there. To, and eventually the boat sort of gets his attention. You know, it's like, hey, hey, hey. You know, then they're like making noise and bull. They're getting it. Finally, the guy looks up and he looks back and everybody, you know, everybody's going this way. And he is way out there and he's like, oh, nuts. You know, so he comes back. And so, I mean, you know, that's awful. I mean, so he like, he had to swim so much farther than anybody else because he went the entire wrong direction. He was swimming across the lake as opposed to down the shore and back. Thankfully, he didn't get disqualified. He didn't get too far out of the course, but he just had to swim a lot longer. And, I mean, and so sometimes, you know, you, 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 things don't go quite as planned. You go in a direction, you get distracted, you go off someplace. And I mean, that, it was a race. It was painful because he had trained. He did a lot of work. And all of a sudden, he just, like, you know, sabotaged himself. I mean, he must, may have well just been, you know, I don't know, doing the Aquaman swim or something. I mean, just to try to get, because he couldn't go anywhere. I mean, it was just, he was way out of bounds. He's a long way off. Sometimes it doesn't go as we plan. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we go in a wrong direction to our own harm. That happens in real life sometimes too, not just events, not just that. Sometimes we go in patterns of life and we, and we get down a little ways down the road and we go, this isn't what I planned. This is not where I saw myself going. This is not where I've worked to go. This is not where I want to be. And I think if we're honest, with ourselves at least, Every one of us has had an experience like that. 
that we've sort of had this aha moment. We get our head up out of the lake and we go, crud. How did I find myself here? All of us have had those experiences. And, and the, the, the passage that we're going to look at today, Paul is trying to keep the church in Colossians from having an experience like that. He's trying to help them so they won't end up someplace they don't want to be. So they don't get disqualified from the race. That they don't just get way outside the track. But instead they stay focused and they stay going. And they're healthy and moving in their Christian faith. And the issue that he raises in this passage is one that we face today. It's, it's something that we, that we all can get sort of um, distracted in with our faith. And, and, and it's, it's this reality that sometimes, although we call ourselves Christians, we've got that word Christ, you know it's actually part of that word Christian? You know, like Christians, Christians. We sometimes can move our focus away from Christ to a bazillion other things. Now sometimes we can just get distracted and get selfish and get, get focused on things that may not even be godly. We can even get, we can get in habits, habits and, and patterns of behavior that are unhealthy. But sometimes, even if we're not getting in these bad patterns, sometimes we can even look at our faith and we can even begin to think of our faith as this sense of rules or obligations or, or activities that we do that we check off and go, okay, yes, I'm being a good person because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And what Paul helps us to look at today is to sort of help us to, 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 to lift our head up and to make sure that we are going in the right direction. To make sure that in our Christian life, our focus is actually on Christ. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And the main, the main point is pretty simple. The main point is the Christian life is not about following rules. It's about following Christ. I'm going to say that again. The Christian life is not about following rules. It's about following Christ. And we're going to talk about that. It's not that there's not things that we're supposed to... It's not that, that, that Christianity is antinomialism, which is the big funky word for no laws. That you have absolute freedom to do whatever you want. That, that, that's not what Christianity is about. There, obviously, there are. In the next chapter, Paul tells all these things that we're supposed to do that, that express our love for Christ. But the thing that can happen is sometimes we think that our life is all about what we do as opposed to relating to Christ. In other words, in other words our lives are to be about honoring Christ as the person we pursue, not about trying to win his favor. We're not trying to please God by all these things that we do. Instead, we say, because I am pleasing to God, because he has given me life, I live out of that to honor him. I do these things. I do these things because of the relationship I have with him, not to earn a relationship with him. Not to somehow make it so I, I somehow gain his favor. And so it's sort of a different way of looking at things. So we're going to walk through this passage where Paul talks about this really, really, really clearly. So I'm going to read it like normally. And just notice how Paul contrasts rules and systems and even religious activities with Christ. How they're contrasted to one another. So I'll read it. Here we go. Colossians 2, 18 to 23. It's 16. I'm sorry, my eyes are still a little fuzzy. Okay, here we go. Therefore, now if you remember, okay, I'll just read it first and I'll come back. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. 
Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. There's a lot in there, okay? <laughs> There's a lot in there. So I'm going to try to walk through that a little more clearly. Well, what, basically what's happening is this church in Colossians is, is a mixed group of people, and, and there's some folks with a Jewish background in there, but most of these guys are people not from a Jewish background. They also live in a pagan culture. Their, their religion is made up of different activities, and people have different philosophies of what all this should look like. And he's saying, hey, I want to write you, I want to warn you, I want to make sure you don't get off track. That you, that you stay focused on Christ and not on anything else. So in the first section, he sort of has the Jewish faith in mind, and so I'll sort of walk through that. Um, in the second part, he has you know, poss- possibly other Gentile religions and philosophies and that type of stuff in mind as well. So I'm sort of walk through each section, but in each section, what he's saying is, Christ is the reality. The Christian life is not about following rules. It's about following Christ. We don't want the shadow of things. We want the substance. The substance is Christ. Okay, so we'll walk through a little more closely. Now, if you remember in the last couple of weeks, you know, Jacob preached a couple of weeks ago that we have freedom and fullness in Christ. Talk about all the stuff that God has given us in Christ. Just incredible. I mean, the deity in human, dwells in human form in Christ. All the fullness of deity dwells in him. And we've been given fullness in Christ. And last week we talked about how through Christ's death we have life. That we've had our sins forgiven. That the things that stood against us condemning us have been taken away. And that all the powers and rulers against us have been put to shame by Christ's triumph on the cross. All that sort of sets up the background of what Christ has done. And he says, So, therefore... Don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, verse 16. Or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. These are basically re- re- references to the different activities that were part of the Jewish faith in the Old Testament. They had different religious festivals. They had sometimes you'd come in once a year to do something. They had, they had monthly things. They, they had different types of sacrifices. All this stuff was a part of the Jewish faith. And people were saying, hey, you know, this Christianity thing in Christ is great and you need to do all this other stuff too. So there, there may have been a blending. There may have been some pressure to do this. If you want to read more about this, look at the book of Galatians. Paul slams the Galatians on this. I mean, you want to see Paul unhinged, not unhinged, unfiltered. Sorry, unhinged. I mean, he calls him, he goes, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having begun with the Spirit, are you going to try to continue in the flesh? Were you saved by following rules? Or by believing in Christ. I mean, he hammers them. So if you want to read even stronger words, go look at Galatians. But Paul is saying a similar thing because the hints of it are starting to happen in Colossians. The people are saying, you've got to do, it's Christ and all these things. So what he says here is he says, so he first of all has, probably has all these Jewish things in mind. He goes, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. 
The reality, however, is found in Christ. Okay, shadow reality. Shadow reality. Basically, I mean, if you want an Old Testament theology in 30 seconds, that's it. He's saying, aha. Um, hey, I'm sorry, I'm going to steal the music stand. He's saying, look, the Old Testament, all those rules, all those festivals, all those activities, the Passover, all these things were to point us to Christ, were to make us hunger for Christ, was to make us realize that we did not have a solution for all these issues. We have to do all these sacrifices again and again and again, and they couldn't cover sin. They had to do them over and over, and it was bloody, and it was messy, and it was disgusting. And it all pointed to the fact that we need someone to take care of this sin issue. And that reality is Christ. And so these other things they had to do and were required to do, they're no longer required to do. They were a shadow. They were to point forward to Christ. The reality has come. In the last two weeks, we talked about what all has happened in Christ. Sin, condemnation, all that stuff is gone. The powers against us, all gone. Because Christ, the reality has come. Now, here's the illustration with the cake. You ready? This is a red velvet, I don't know what a southern style red velvet cake is, but that's what this is. Okay? Now let me ask you something. Wow! Now imagine, imagine, now I don't know if you watch your weight or not, imagine if you watch your weight, you have prepared to eat this dessert right now. (laughs) You have exercised this week, you have allocated the calories, there is zero guilt. You have portioned how you're going to eat your meal. You have complimented the whole thing you've had, and now is the time for the dessert. You've been looking forward to it, anticipating it, and getting ready to eat it right now. Okay? You got the picture? Guilt-free, ready to eat, and hungry. You pick up the cake. Oh, wow. I should probably practice this. (laughs) This is not good. Okay. So, here's the cake. Do you want the cake or the cake shadow? Who wants the cake shadow? Nobody wants the cake shadow. Do you want the cake or do you want the couple little pieces that fell off on the tray? You want the stinking cake. You want to go like this. Mmm. 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 This is the best sermon I ever preached. (laughs) I got the mic covered in cake, I think. You want the cake. Right? You don't want the crumbs. You don't want a shadow of the cake. You want the cake. What Paul's saying is, Christ is the substance. The rules, the systems, the the, the procedures, all those kind of things, all those were just there to point to Christ. And if you get focused on all those things, it's just like having a gorgeous cake here and going, well, you know, I just want the shadow of the cake. What good does the shadow of a cake do for you when you're starving and you've prepared for a delicious dessert? It does nothing for you. Christ is the reality. He is the substance. He is the essence. He is is 
the reality. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, he's saying, don't get all caught up in these religious things. Then he goes on. So that's the first thing. Realize that Christ himself is the substance. Second thing, do not let anyone who delights in false humility. This is verse, I still can't read these numbers. 18. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. They go into details about what they've seen in their visions, blah, 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 blah. In other words, and you've seen this. I mean, I was in the car last week with someone. I said, they had, a, they had a, a beaded thing hanging from their rearview mirror. And I said, hey, what's this cross thing in your car about? And they go, oh, that's, that's for protection. Someone has given that to me and, you know, uh, and so that's just, just like protection token thing. I'm like, that's interesting. And so we talked. I said, so are you a Christian? He goes, no, not so much. Just this or that. I said, well, have you read the Bible? So we just had a conversation. But, but for him, he had his own worldview he had created based on his thoughts. And that's what determined his spiritual reality. was what his thoughts and his ideas were. I mean, sometimes you have people that they may have a dream. They may have a vision. And that for them becomes their reality. You know, an angel said to me such and such. Paul's saying, look, if it's not about Christ... If it doesn't drive you to Christ, if it doesn't focus on Christ, if it doesn't honor Christ, you probably don't want to have much to do with it. See, see our, our culture and our society even today is very focused on, on experience and, and what we think and our ideas and, and, and you know, did someone die and go to heaven or not and what they see and that, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I can't say what people have done or haven't done. But if the outcome of it is not pointing me to Christ, to honor him, to love him, to pursue him, to listen to his words, to respond to him, then I put little stock in it. Because Christ is the reality, right? Not our ideas, not our impressions, not, not, not philosophies, not anything else. Christ is the reality. He says, he says in verse 19, he goes, Look, they've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. So they're so focused on these other things, they're not even talking about Christ. They love to go into great detail about their personal experiences, but Christ never even comes up. Or if he does, he's, a, he's an add-on. We can't let our faith become something to which Christ is a footnote. Okay? Christ is the substance. He is the focus. He is the center of our faith or we're missing out. And we're going to find ourselves astray. And then he goes on in verse 20. He says, since you died with Christ. Now he's, he's referring back to these other passages. He's talked about how we have been you know, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to life. We've been, you know, given new life in him, died and buried. So since you, I'm sorry. So that, that's in chapter 3. He goes on that kind of stuff. Verse 20, he says, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? He's saying, look, if you remember the passage from last week, Christ overcame all the forces in this world. He put them to public shame through the cross. Where they thought they had won, but in fact, Christ had won. And he had demonstrated victory over death and all the powers of this world. And chapter 1 talks about how he even created all powers of this world. I mean, it's just, there's no question, Christ is over everything. Not this world. Not the forces in this world, whether spiritual or physical. Why? 
then do we take our cues from this world as what we should do or not do? And their, their system, they had things where they couldn't touch or drink or this or that. Says, do not handle, do not touch. He goes, these rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish with use. In other words, these have to do with things of this earth that are all going to sort of fade away. Because they have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. He says, hey, we can, we can construct all sorts of religious systems. We can say, we're going to do this and not this. We're going to do this and not this. And we're going to drink this and not drink this. We're going to eat this and not eat it. We're going to do all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and we can pretend and look to ourselves as, as if we're holy. But if it's not out of an actual pursuit of Christ, with Christ at the center, it's not going to accomplish much good at all. Self-discipline without a focus on Christ is not going to accomplish godliness. Now, let me, let me just be clear. It's not that God doesn't ask us to live in a certain way and to honor him by how we live. In fact, the whole next chapter is going to talk about that. Because since you have been raised with Christ, then put off the old self, put on the new self, live in this way. So this is not a license to do whatever we want and say, oh, I'm, I, I'm not a legalist, I follow Christ. <laughs> so I can dance awkwardly like I'm doing right now. Um, I can drink whatever I want to drink and I can go wherever I want to go. Are you growing in Christ? Are you more like Christ six months than you were six months ago? Do your spouse and your kids see you being transformed by following Christ? None of this, oh, I'm not going to be attached to legalism. I can do whatever I want. Okay, yeah, if you're following Christ. If you're following, that the point is follow Christ, not follow rules. And God, Christ will guide you in these things. And we, we live in a certain way not to please Christ because we'll, but instead of what he's done for us. It's subtle. But it's really significant. See, our lives aren't changed by self-discipline. Our lives are changed because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And he's forgiven our sins. And he's put his spirit inside of us who then empowers us and inspires us to obey him. And we make decisions to live in light of that power day in and day out. And we see him change us as we're connected to Christ, as God causes us to grow, and as we work together as a body. That's what it's supposed to be. It's not, I set up all these things I've got to do, and if I do these things, God's happy with me. And I don't really think about Christ that much. We can get caught in that really easily. But that's not what it's supposed to be. And if we get caught in that, we're going to find ourselves in a place we don't want to be. And that's what Paul was warning the Colossians against. So just your assignment this week is to say, hey, am I following Christ? What area in my life do I think about activities as opposed to Christ? What area in my life do I even think about activities to do, not even in how I'm honoring Christ through them, but just I feel good because I act in this way? Let's keep our focus on Christ. Not systems and not things that we construct. Let's also make sure that whatever we're thinking about in the area of the spiritual realm, it points us and pushes us and drives us to Christ. 
because he is the focus. He is the substance. He's the red velvet cake. Um, he, he is the center of our faith. Amen?